Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Why, it sure is a good day in the West, Mr. Zek. Oh, yeehaw. It's absolutely fantastic out there today. It really is. It's a good warm weather for us to, to for us to feed our horses and uh, and just have a fun time here shooting and robbing people in the Wild West. Yeah, that's what we do. Oh, speaking of shooting and robbing, here comes someone now. Oh my, it's a new person. Welcome. I have come all the way from Transylvania, and I was wondering if I could get myself a drink. Oh wow, we sure haven't seen your kind around here before, stranger. No, we ain't. Your voice is funny. Yes, there is not much of a, 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 a call for people of my kind to be in a location such as these. Yeah. Yeah, well, it sure is strange. Now, what can we do for you? You want a drink? I can get you a beer. Oh, I'd like something uh, uh, a, a bit more vintage, say, from the year 1987. That's a very specific year. <laughs> well, I, well, I, well, I do indeed have this, uh, this bottle of whiskey. It's been aged since the eighties. We can crack that one open. Uh, oh, I don't know about cracking the whiskey. Can't we crack something else open? Maybe you have something in a deep red, a deep red, like blood red wine. You want some wine? Wine. I'd like some vine. I don't understand what you're trying to get at, sir. <laughs> you get, clearly, you're after wine. Is there something else you try to imply here? I, I don't quite understand it. Well, clearly, right in front of you is this. This is just a big bottle of vine that's from the, the, the Lost Boys Company. But that's taking away all the attention. There seems to be a vine just behind it. And could I possibly have a look at that? Oh, you want some vintage Bigelow wine? I can crack that open right now. Let me get us a little bit of wine in the wine in You the sure glass. do love to crack open things. I don't know. I love cracking things open. open. That's why when I was born, my dad was cracking open some peanuts and I've well do you crack open peanuts I don't even know but I, <laughs> I, I I've been cracking open nuts since I was a kid I, I, I always thought it was weird you love to just crack open everything it was just I love cracking open things that's right can't get you to open a door without cracking it it's always my case if you find one catchphrase stick to it yes let me have a taste of it oh it's very rich and uh, quite romantic it's quite dark almost Near Dark. <laughs> oh, well, howdy ho. That is the name of a movie. <laughs> ah, yeah, that was a good reference, I thought. <laughs> uh, hello and welcome <laughs> to Yeehaw! But a Goodie. Yeehaw! Uh, it's the podcast. We talk about movies from 1987 in the order they came out in. And this week we are reviewing The Lost Boy. I mean, we're reviewing Near Dark. <laughs> cracking open a good one. Cracking open a good one. My name is Sandro. <laughs> that other cowboy voice was Zach. Yeah, And for the first time ever on the podcast <laughs> to talk about a movie that he hasn't seen before, we've got Rob Lloyd. 
Oh, thank you so much for inviting me along. I've been wanting to see Near Dark for, you know, over, you know, about 30 years, but I'm a chicken shit and don't like horror movies. So, um, <laughs> so to actually sit and watch, I did have to watch a lot of this with my, you know, you know, my fingers in front of my eyes, but, um, but, you know, but I got, I got through it and holy crap, I'm so excited to finally talk about this film. Mm. Now, Originally, this episode was meant to be coming out just a, a week or two before a show that we were doing that <laughs> involves a lot of uh, characters from a popular movie of which there's a lot of actors from that movie in this movie. Um, but we can't really make that connection now because that's not happening. But it's kind of amazing how many aliens <laughs> actors are in this film. COVID takes another victim. Well, that's the thing, you know, this is... a. Uh amazing thing this is Catherine Bigelow Academy Award winning the first female director to win an Academy Award for best director mm. Catherine Bigelow mm. uh, this is her second film and at that time she was mates with James Cameron uh, later they'd gone to marry um, uh, for a little bit of time and then they divorced but yeah because of she had this backing and support from James and so she would have known the cast from Aliens, and she actually there's actually a brief and you'll miss it cameo from James Cameron in the film. There's a there's a there's a, uh, the movie theater is playing Aliens, and of course, yes, it's filled with you know uh, three of the cast of Alien, which came out the year before. So it's all tied. But the great thing is, you know, it's a bit of nepotism here. You know, working within the people you know, but thankfully Bigelow's an outstanding director, mm-hmm. um, and so to get a bit of a a, a a foot up into the industry from a successful friend, uh, she didn't. You know, she she got there. Also, she's been able to make it on her talents, and hence she's won an Oscar for best director. And far out, you can see it in this film. It's shot absolutely beautifully. Mm. It's good. Yes, yeah, Zach, we've done a lot of horror films this year, but none of them, I think, have looked quite like this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe Hellraiser comes close? Yeah, but it's it's a different... This is have, has a more gritty realism, I think. Yeah, you know? whereas Hellraiser is more low-budget set in the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This has this has several locations, you mm. know, it's it's all it's a lot. But it's it's a really low budget as well. It was shot on like five million dollars, but it looks so much more expensive because of how it's shot. It's shot very well, um, and it's amazing what you can do when you've got a really creative, smart, intelligent director who knows how to work well with their cinematographer to shoot and make it look more expensive than it is. Mm. Zach, what did you think of the, the movie, though? We'll go around the table with, with first impressions, starting with Zach. What do you think? Well, I thought it was a great vampire movie. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a different... It's a, it's a more sort of gritty... Not realistic, because, I mean, vampires don't exist. <gasps> what? Hey, 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 hey. What? 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 Well, not anymore, because they all died at the end of this film. Oh, yeah, of <laughs> course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, 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 uh. But yeah, no, it was good fun. I quite liked it. I quite liked it. Okay. How about you, Rob? Yeah, um, I, I, I really liked it. I, I liked. Um, it's yeah, it's really interesting. It's sort of like it's got quite a naive uh, approach to vampirism, much like <laughs> that was of that time. You know, it's quite a romantic view of of the vampiric law, but it's shot in such a beautiful, grim way. And there's some sequences in it which are quite confronting but shot so beautifully like the scene within the um uh, the the bar yeah. is just yeah you know, uh is quite sparing in it's in, in how it's shot but it's like creates a 
visceral reaction. Like you don't see the the cliche of the the spiky teeth, uh, you know, no no crucifixes and stuff like that. It's just like a really refined version of it. So it's sort of like you know, daylight bursts into flames, uh, the yeah. need for blood, that type of stuff. But there's still this purity of, of vampirism, and they never say the V word, much mm. like in um, <laughs> like in Shaun of the Dead, they try and avoid saying the Z word. Yeah. In, uh, mm. in this, they never say the V word. It's never said. It's just, you know, I'm infected, I've changed. And there's still that sense of purity, you know, this this naive love between Caleb and May, which is... Which is um, uh, which is quite interesting just to watch before vampirism developed in popular culture. I mean, obviously Anne Rice wrote her book series in the seventies, but it didn't become popular until the nineties. And then like with um, Twilight and all that type of stuff, it sort of like developed into a bigger cultural phenomenon uh, within the zeitgeist. But here it's quite a pure uh, version of vampirism and there's a naivety to it as well, which I really found sweet which was weird within the, the, the darkness and the grittiness and the dustiness of this Western vampire tale. It's not very complicated. It's not bogged down by years and years of people building on top of the vampire lore of what can do which and when. Yeah, little brief mentions, mentions like Homer, the, 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 the vampire child, mentions mm. that he turned May brief mention of, you know, that Lance Hendrickson's character, Jesse, was fought in the Civil War. Mm. Little things like mm. that, little drop-up. You don't know everything and this nomadic existence that they have is, yeah, really, yeah, it's just really brought down to its purest sense, um, which was quite refreshing. And it, it's interesting that they've managed to do that and not make it feel quaint. A lot of the time we get movies like this that have kind of been built upon, I'm thinking, you know, like early zombie movies, for, for example, they feel very quaint compared to like what we get now. Whereas I think with this, it, it doesn't feel like that. And they did a good job. Um, there's mm. some things I didn't love. I think for this movie to really work, you've got to buy into that romance. And I never did for a second. I don't know if it's because the actors weren't particularly particularly great or if it just they didn't give it much time in terms of the writing they got very quickly into the um into the nomadic life of the vampires after that but but I never really bought into the romance side of this at all which I think held me back a little bit from from loving it but it's shot and just the, the craft behind the movie is is amazing. So that kind of carried it through for me. I felt I felt near the end that they had a had a romance going. At first, it was it was very much like she wasn't crazy about it or whatever. But I felt I felt near the end that their love was pretty deserved. You know, they went through trials and tribulations. Just the just the scene where um she she jumps out of the car with his sister that was cool I like that that was very well done yeah hey I yeah hey I want to be with I choose you over them sort yeah. of thing you know because before she she chose the vampires but at that point she chooses you know him yeah I found it quite that that naivety came from the fact that you know Caleb never fed he he would only feed off um off may so he would never kill anybody and he was that moral compass for him he would never go to go that far even though he was presented multiple opportunities he would like watch may kill somebody poor old you know black trucker but he started out as very unlikable oh he did <laughs> very <Yeah>. unlikable <laughs> So that was his hero journey to go from dickhead to, you know, he was an okay guy. He's all right. He's all right in the end. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, we'll get into it a bit more in depth very soon, but right now is, of course, the time when, uh, according to our contract, we have to plug our Patreon, Zach. Mm. <laughs> you can check out our Patreon at Goody on Patreon. We got bonus episodes coming out. We got Ooh. two minimum a month. Ooh. We're doing some cool evil dead stuff specifically the evil dead series all of them yeah like all of them yeah on wednesday we're doing army of darkness mm. and then we'll do the reboot uh just before halloween which will be fun or remake whatever it is reboot remake whatever it is we'll see how good it is i have a feeling it's going to be uh fun to talk about (laughs) and uh it was certainly fun to talk about the other movies you can check out our opinions on there yeah it was wild it was a wild ride definitely and links in the episode description anyway uh near dark i chose it zach what were the other options from this week that we could have done well sandro my boy (laughs) (laughs) yep (laughs) you had some very interesting options we had anna a biopic based off the life of a Polish actress got a few Best Actress Awards. This is probably pretty good. Nice. The Belly of an Architect. A surreal British uh, festival movie about an architect who starts getting mysterious stomach pains. Oh, no. Oh. I know. He just went to the doctor and fixed it all up. That's it. That's the whole movie. It's ten minutes long. <laughs> Yeah, uh, this this movie really speaks to me. Uh, it's called Big Shots. What? Because that's what I am. I'm a big shot. Yeah. Um... Two boys borrow a car from some mobsters to go on a road trip. Great. <laughs> we had uh, House of Games. A psychiatrist helps out one of her patients with a gambling problem, but ends up going along with his games. And then, uh, like father, like son. Father and a son... Uh, swap bodies. Whoa. Uh, uh, oh. And then slam dance. It's a cartoonist ventures into the underbelly of L.A. where he's uh, framed for murder, which is a bit of a bummer. Oh, what what a bunch of... Have you seen any of those, Rob? I, I, I only picked up every second word because uh, Zach's <laughs> accent was yeah. so dense. You have a problem with the way I speak, sir? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not putting it on you. It's me. I should have put subtitles on. So. Yeah, of course, of course. Well, it turns out you were watching it on Binge and there's no subtitles to be had. Oh, no. <laughs> Fuck you, Binge. Don't worry. We'll put, we'll put subtitles in the we'll podcast. Subtitles in post, the podcast. You know. Like Father, Like Son could be fun, but this was the choice there. <laughs> this was the choice. Well done. Well, let's jump on into it. This was released October 2nd as we head into the spooky month. Good film to start it off with. It is directed and co-written by Catherine Bigelow. Second ever movie. She's done heaps of other films after this, like uh, Point Break, that Keanu Reeves thing, Blue Steel, that Jamie Lee Curtis thing. Yeah. And then she uh, won some awards with Hurt Locker. She did Zero Dark Thirty. Her last film was in 2017. It's called Detroit, which I haven't seen, but I've heard that it's quite harrowing. Yeah, about the race riots in Detroit's... um... Yeah, John Boyega, uh, really good cast. She co-wrote it with a guy called Eric Red, who was behind a horror film called The Hitcher um, in '86. Yeah, with um, with uh, uh, Ruka Hauer. So yeah, some 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 great names behind this. Uh, for the cast, it's it's pretty solid as well. We've got Adrian Pastar, Pastar, Pastar as Caleb Cotton. Oh, he was my Pastar. He is. Ooh. <laughs> 
He's done a lot of TV. He's in Heroes. He's in Agents of Shield. He was in a Supergirl recently. Yeah, yeah. So like, um, his his turn on Heroes season one, the only good season, mm, the only season, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Really, um, he's very good in in that, and I think he's yeah done a couple of movies here and there. But yeah, he was married to one of the Dixie Chicks, oh, and um, yeah. apparently their song "Gaslighter." Uh, is about him so oh, you can no. see that, that that marriage did not end well oh no <laughs> so that's a bit of a fun not really a fun <laughs> fact for yeah, you. thanks for that fun fact you're welcome fun facts here's my controversial take he reminded me of hayden christensen but not in a bad way mm. in a way where i was like i'm getting some strong anakin skywalker vibes from this guy mm. yeah because he's kind of a dick um, I can see that. Yeah, like the opening, the opening scene. His opening lines is him and a guy that he hangs out with, and they just. Oh, you want to go, man? Let's go, man. <laughs> I'm just there going. God, I hope this guy dies. Oh no, we're following him through the whole film, <laughs> and we never see his friends again. Thank fuck. Well, here's the here's the thing. So, did you have any stakes or anything where you're like, oh no, he's gonna die? Oh wait, that's what I wanted. <laughs> you know. There is also Jenny Wright. She plays May. She was in a horror film called uh, I Madman, which was titled Hardcover in a few countries. She's also in The Lawnmower Man. Uh, hasn't done too much else aside from those two things. Um, she's very good in this. She's got this color, almost ethereal type of you know otherworldly essence to her which is quite light so she plays that she's able to balance the light and the dark of her character really well which is not an easy thing to do like you can see that she's she has that bloodlust and that darkness within her but she has this yeah. almost poetic view of darkness and shade and people and yeah it's, it's, she does the balance well yeah she is quite good as is lance hendrickson as Jesse Hooker, of course, he is Bishop in the Alien franchise. Uh, apparently, he's also one of the gorillas in the animated Tarzan movie. Um, so. <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, he is in the Disney one. Yes, uh, he's great in this. He's very charismatic in this. Very different to other stuff I've seen him in. He's yeah, got this nice charm and this this menacing charisma about him, which is which is wonderful. Yeah, he's really good. As soon as they introduce him and they're like, and that guy's Jesse Hooker. And you're like, oh, who's this guy? <laughs> Straight off the bat, he is just eating the scenery. You're like, who is this? Well, him and and Bill Paxton, who we're going to bring up next, they just, they own this film, the both of them. It's just their film and they just romp at home. And, and Bigelow just goes, here's the camera and just play. Mm. And um, they both have two very different levels and styles of performance and they just complement each other so well. Yes, Bill Paxton, he plays a character called Severin, which is funny because he's always talking about severing faces from from the heads, which is great. Use, using the uh, spurs from his, um, uh, on his boots. On his boots. He's, of course, from Aliens, True Lies, uh, which we've reviewed here before. He's in Titanic, Twister, Edge of Tomorrow. I think he's in Spy Kids as well. Yeah, a little bit. Yep, yep, yep. And Predator 2, so many great films. Um, great, yep. Uh, Big Love, his TV show, he was great in that. Yeah, no, he's great. And um, probably, the like, from what I could tell, the reason most people remember this movie is because of him, so... Yeah, he's like he's like the, the standout performance, and this is what, you know... It's a good follow-up. I mean, not many people saw this film because, of, you know, spoilers, it wasn't a box office hit, but he definitely got a good reputation following on from Aliens yeah. and this. 
um, hit that same type. It's got a similar energy, whereas Hudson in is very loud and big and boisterous and the coward and all filled with a bravado. Mm. There is a, a bravado here with Paxton's performance, and that's what he does well, that big bravado-ness. But there's a menace and there's an, uh, a, a hunger underneath that. So it's a, it's, it's a, a subtle shift. From you know bravado coward to bravado evil, and it's it's still a v- very intimidating. But even when he's being absolutely appalling and he's just treating humans like meat, you just can't help but be drawn to his performance. He's cool. He 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 has some funny funny goofs. I like, I like that boy. <laughs> I love that he's night great. and day. Like Rob's like, yeah, look, he's look, he he's awful, and you know charisma but you hate him and then Zach's like some fun goofs, some fun jokes here and there <laughs> what, a, what a funny what a guy fun what, a, what a silly boy what a silly boy furthering the aliens connection Vasquez is in this as well playing Diamondback we've got Jeanette Goldstein um, she's also in Terminator 2 as well very briefly that's right. Yep, yep. She's a, a and she's in Terminator as, uh, in um in uh, Titanic as well. So, yes. uh, Cameron does like to use his uh, he has an ensemble of actors that he likes to keep on giving work to. Yeah, and she's like she's got a bit of a thankless role. She's there and she's got this presence, but she doesn't really she doesn't chew as much of the scenery or doesn't no. you know she just lets the the attention come to her as opposed to trying to draw the attention. I like the little relationship she had with the guy oh her and Jit, yeah yeah cutie little relationship oh look yeah. at those cute little little tykes <laughs> going at them murdering people for sustenance oh you she oh. was very menacing i mean the, the yeah the, the, the scene where she just takes the the um the waitress it just it just it just happens in a flash and it's uh yeah like yeah it's like oh okay well this turned this scene up to 11 yeah. all right and then finally, uh, he would have been 12 while filming this. We have got Joshua John Miller as Homer. I think he acts every now and then, but he is mainly at the moment a writer and producer on this uh, crime TV show called Queen of the South that I think he is yeah, writing with his life partner, um, which is great. But he is in a bunch of other films. He's in the Keanu Reeves movie, River's Edge, which came out earlier in 87, features an incredibly camp performance from Crispin Glover. That's very fun. <laughs> and he is also in Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, which, look, isn't as bad as everyone says. It's just very <laughs> weird. <laughs> mm. oh, yeah. I'd like to also mention uh, Tim uh, Tomlinson, who plays uh, Caleb's dad, who was a big oh, yes. um, uh, uh, a B-grade, C-grade director, video, movie star. And I remember him from the 90s TV series, The Flash, where he appeared in the pilot as uh, Barry Allen's, uh, you know, police hero, Brother Jay. So, yeah, I, so when I, whenever I see Tim, I go, ah, it's Jay from, from uh, the 90s version of The Flash. What a great show. I like that show a lot. I like it too. I just imagine you sitting there and every time he goes on screen, you go, ah! I pretty much did that, yeah. It's the guy from The Flash! Yeah. The Flash holds a very special place in my heart. It came out when I was in year eight. It came out when I was in year eight and that's the show because it would go on at 8.30 on Tuesday or Thursday nights. And at that point, I was in year eight, and I still had to go to bed at, you know, at, at like 8.30. At, oh, God, I think it was 8 o'clock or something like that. I was still quite young. Um, and I said, please, can I stay up so I can watch The Flash? 
And that, and mum and dad said, all right, okay, you can stay up late and watch The Flash. So that was when I was allowed to start staying up later. It was because of Wesley, you know, John Wesley ships The Flash. Wow. So, so there you go. There you Just go. imagine so. trying trying to do anything else in the other room and every five minutes you go, ah, that's ah, <laughs> it's this guy. Ah, hey, it's that guy. You're near dark. <laughs> For the reception, we've got 82% on Rotten Tomatoes from the critics. Audience score is uh, 74, so still very positive. 7 out of 10 on IMDb, 3.6 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Uh, yeah, a lot of people were were just loving the combination of the horror and the Western genres, as well as how this kind of pushed vampirism uh, forward in a way that that a lot of other vampire stuff at the time, like the Lost Boys, didn't really do. Well, yeah, it's really it's really interesting because like I found like Catherine Bigelow wanted to make a western, but no one would fund a western in the mid eighties because it was all you know uh, big blockbusters or um, sci fi films. You know, the western era had died. It was huge in the sixties and the fifties, uh, and starting into the seventies. But then you know bringing in this other writer who was known for his horror stuff going, well, if we blend it with another genre, we'll be able to get funding. And, and, you know, the vampire thing was starting to happen. Fright Night came out in 1985 and was a big hit. And of course, Lost Boys was being made. And that's why this film got lost in the, in the crowd because it came out so soon around about the same time as Lost Boys and Lost Boys became this, you know, this moment in pop culture Whereas mm. Near Dark has become incredibly influential. I think Near Dark is a lot more timeless in many ways. Lost Boys is so much of that you know, mid-80s uh, time period. And that's why it's so beloved, because it's so quintessentially 80s. Whereas Near Dark has those 80s elements, the soundtrack very much so. Mm. And, some of the plot, and some of the plot resolution in the third act is very... In many ways, a, a cop out, but very much you know, '80s era generic kind of conclusion. But there's a timelessness to it as well that stands the test of time, and that more so than than Lost Boys. So yeah, yeah, Lost Boys came out uh, the same week that we did the James Bond movie, so we didn't get to cover that. But uh, that might be a Patreon one because I wouldn't mind revisiting it. But this is definitely the choice vampire film from 87 <laughs> yeah lost boys has a lot more you know it's you know teenagers you know and the whole thing was you know be young forever you know all this type of stuff. it's fun to be a vampire so it's that type of teenagers and you know it's got the comedy element with Corey feldman and all that type of stuff so it's very gimmicky type stuff whereas mm. near dark doesn't really have that it doesn't have the you know the the demonic faces that the vampires turn into it doesn't have them flying it doesn't have the pointy teeth and that's what makes it even more viscerally uncomfortable is that, that you don't see the teeth come out and mm. when you see them attacking or they've got the blood on their mouth their teeth are normal and you just there it feels even more uncomfortable than ooh I've got a scary angel face like in buffy yeah because they seem more realistic more real mm. and like they're just like people you know, people that can come in and murder everyone. <laughs> and know? because it's so practical, you know, because it's, it's the era of practical effects, you know, the stuff like uh, when Caleb's dad shoots Jesse and he like regurgitates the bullet and puts it back. It's, that's because there's none of that showiness of, of, you know, the vampire teeth or the, 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 the crucifix stuff like that. It's it's really raw, and so that type of stuff is even more yeah. In the like you're saying, realistic as opposed to as soon as you see the pointy teeth come out, you go, oh okay, this is 
we're in safe ground, but I never felt really safe and secure in this film, yeah. which is good. You want to feel uncomfortable. Mm. In terms of the budget, this cost, yeah, about $5 million. Zach, what do you think it made in the US? Well, we talked about it not doing as well as some of the other movies, so I'm going to... I'm I'm thinking it's around the seven mil is what okay. I'm thinking. It's like it didn't do great, but it still made some of its money back, you know. And now it's become sort of a more cult classic that people can go back to and really appreciate. Okay, okay. How about you, Rob? Yeah, um, I I don't think that made its money back, so I'd say. Oof. Yeah, I I, it, I think it was a real disappointment, which is a real shame. And so, um, so I think it's under the five. So I'd say about three or. Uh, four. So, yeah. Well, Rob has hit the nail on the head, oh. if you will. It's $3.4 million. This yeah. Oh, yeah. So, That's so sad. But you kind of... Because of these... Because films that really did well at that time... It, yeah, finding that balance of something... You know, early 80s stuff like E.T. was so popular because it's so timeless. You can still watch it now. Lost Boys was so much of the era. Once you get into the mid-late 80s, they really embrace that time whereas you watch near dark it feels like a movie that they'd make nowadays it's yeah. it, it seems out of its time it's like return to oz you watch return to oz and you go this is way too early this film came out less i think it came around about the same time in the uh, in the 80s but it's a film that should have been made you know on netflix now same as near dark this is this is a film that is ahead of its time i think so yeah yeah this could have been a netflix series yeah yeah that's absolutely true i could i could see this you know a couple of seasons would have been good i could definitely see and that and you could take that time to develop may and caleb's relationship so you could get mm. to that point of going oh i get this now because it, it was so rushed you're there going oh you can stay with us forever i'm going dude you've only known him a couple of hours and yeah, and most of that time he's hiding his keys and threatening not to let you go <laughs> yes. until you yeah, give him a yeah. kiss. You know he's he's being a you know. Yeah, you could have the the whole like first couple of episodes where we have no idea that she's a vampire. You know, no even hint. It's just it just so happens that they only go to you know restaurants or or sorry uh, like milk bars or whatever at night you know oh definitely you could just see like that that relationship building up over a couple of nights and then mm. it, it starts getting suspicious as these clues like she only comes out at night she never eats anything when they go out you know? but just ice cream just ice cream she yeah, eats ice yeah, cream just yeah. ice cream <laughs> Yeah. Uh, before we jump into the synopsis, there are a few taglines. I think when we had you on for Spaceballs, Rob, there weren't many taglines, but there are a lot for this one, thankfully. Oh, really? Here we go. This is all according to IMDb, but I looked some of them up and they seemed legit. So let's go through them. The first tagline is, pray for daylight. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> It could be predicting, you know, prey to get that Sylvester Stallone movie made in the 90s where they get tra- trapped in the tunnel and they have to escape. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's an obscure reference for anyone who remembers the lower end of um, Swartz, uh, on Stallone's career in the 90s. Wow. Ooh, yep. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the second tagline is, the night has its price. Yes, it does. Ooh. Yep. Ooh, I like that one. This third tagline's interesting. It's, um... Killing you would be easy. They'd rather terrify you forever. Ah, oh, boo! Yeah, no, no. Thumbs down. That, that's on the nose. That is on the nose. That's that. That sounds like what they'd do for like a traditional vampire movie, not this one. 
Yeah. It's not the point. Uh, the fourth tagline is, At dawn they hide, at dark they wake, at night they search for blood. It's just a list. It's just like a shopping list. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really interesting because the whole point of the film is not to be obvious about them being vampires. Mm. But, mm. but then again, because they've just had Lost Boys come out, which pretty much says in the catchphrase, it's fun to be a vampire. So people going, well, we don't know what this is unless you point it out. So, you know, people say don't underestimate your audience. I think Near Dark's problem is they overestimated <laughs> uh, uh, 1980s audiences, and that's their fault. That's true. They should have gone for more of like a Western approach. That might have worked, you know? Like, what's that movie called with Rick Moranis? And it's like a Western, it's like a neo Western that came out in like 84. I can't remember. Oh, Spaceballs. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. Spaceballs. <laughs> We reviewed that one, remember? Yeah, yeah, you can check it out. <laughs> the um the final tagline is uh is the big one, the big tagline that's on everywhere and uh it really <laughs> it leans into an interesting angle of this film and um and the tagline is in one hot hungry kiss he gave her everlasting love, she gave him everlasting life. What? <laughs> Okay, if you do any tagline in that voice, Sandro, it automatically loses credibility. Oh, I know. <laughs> uh, for me, that automatically gained credibility. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's really weird because I didn't know that this was a Western... It wasn't until I started watching the film and then I started researching it. I went, oh, okay. Like, with that opening shot, I'm there going... Like, Caleb's there in his cowboy hat. I'm going, oh, okay, all right. And there's certainly vibes of it seems a little bit True Blood as well. I know mean, True does. Blood is more True Blood's more you know bayous and and um, New Orleans and that type of Savannah type culture. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna bring up True Blood. Mm. It, it's it's the same idea but different location. You know, yeah, yeah. the South but not the deep South. It's more like you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the yeah. West Southwest. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, none of the posters had informed me that it was a, a mashup of Western and Vampire. All I heard was that it, could, it was a cool, darkish take on vampires in a more sophisticated way. Yeah. In the marketing or advertising of this, they never really pushed it. Like the main images of that image of Bill Paxton and the final confrontation on the... So it gives that a sense of the, the intensity of it, but there's no sort of like western feel or motifs to it but yeah that could get a bit hacky i guess so yeah that's what they were saying right they couldn't they couldn't push out westerns so they decided to go a different direction and go like vampire yeah and so they've sort of they've tried to push the vampire thing while leaving the western as more of a side behind yeah 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 yeah. which which is a shame because that's the the really strong selling point and that's the theme of it it's it's a western i love the standoffs you know where they they're looking eye to eye you know that was oh it's interesting i wonder if it would have enhanced if they had more than one weakness because as we find out during the film the only real weakness they have is sunlight. Yeah, and that, that's the thing. Like, we don't, you know, there's no stakes talked about, which I kind of found cool. Mm. No silver bullets, because that's werewolves. Uh, no crucifixes. No holy water. Uh, it was just that sunlight thing. And we, I, like, even at the end, like, when uh, Bill Paxson's character, Severin, is blown up in the tanker, I'm there going, well, I know they burst into flame when they're in sunlight, but is fire... Something that will kill them as well. An entire tanker of flames is a vampire's weakness. They're not invincible. 
<laughs> so I like. So you took it literally. So like, it's not just fire; it's an entire tanker. No, you need a tanker. <laughs> but I guess that makes sense because it's like fire, and that's essentially what the sun is, right? Right. Kind of light. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. So they can't. Don't light a vampire on fire. <laughs> I mean, that's definitely the um the more like scientific approach i think the reason in in the original books why vampires don't like the sun is more of like a religious sort of thing like the light kind of cleanses the darkness or whatever yeah yeah in um the original dracula uh, daylight isn't a thing it's uh, a the only thing that can kill uh vampires is a stake through the heart Mm. Mm. Uh, it, it it the the daylight thing isn't introduced until nosferatu the film with Max Schreck. So that that that's where Count Ulock is killed by the sunlight coming in. But yeah, so up until that point in vampiric lore, it, that wasn't a thing. They could walk in daylight, they can go out in the in, you know, day, night, whatever. And I mean, later on, we just have Twilight where you just get all sparkly if it's daylight. You mm. know? Yeah. It's sparkly. Yeah. So it comes full circle, really. There are still people who defend those books and those films, like, you know, Jen Spears. Anytime, you know, Santa and I even have a whiff of baking fun of Twilight, she asks us, hey, right, okay. That's a hill she will die on. There are people who will <laughs> die on the Twilight Hill and sparkle. <laughs> Look, I don't get and it. I'm, and I'm for dying on the Twilight Hill if you're defending the actors, aside from Taylor Lautner. They're all really good, aside from Taylor Lautner. So... <laughs> <laughs> Look, Robert bat 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 Battinson has finally, you know, come good. Yeah. And um, Kristen, Kristen Stewart's doing well now. She's been good, really yeah, good for a while. And there's some great supporting actors. The guy who played... Bella's dad, he was always good. He's good. He's good in that TV show Revolution that no one but me remembers that Giancarlo Esposito was in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're the only one who remembers that. I'm the that's only right. one who remembers that show. That's right. Moff Gideon was in that as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Esposito. God bless him. Anyway, we are very far into the episode. We should jump into the synopsis. <laughs> yeah, we probably should. Though, to be fair, there's not a whole lot of plot here, so we will probably end up moving through it quite quickly. I did want to mention how um, the movie opens with with the sound of mosquitoes buzzing. You've got oh. that soundtrack kind of coming in from Tangerine Dream. Uh, they've done a bunch of films that we've covered, so it, it was good to hear their soundtrack again. And the first line of dialogue is, is uh, one of the cowboy lads saying dumb suck as i smash the mosquito that's right yeah i was gonna say r.i.p mosquito if we were doing the the you know animal the the rating system the the uh what's yeah the, we uh, did not see at the end of the film no animals were harmed in the making of this movie yeah but there was a mosquito right <laughs> i think i th- I think that was. I think they got uh, Industrial Light and Magic and Stan Winston, <laughs> mm. um, or maybe Rick Baker to do it. So, no, it would have been Stan Winston because uh, Rick Baker did makeup and Sam, yeah. So and and I believe that Frank Welker was the voice of that mosquito. <laughs> 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 yes. Yeah. Yes, he was. But but are we considering mosquitoes to be animals? That's the real question I want to pose. No, they're hellspawn. They are wow. Okay, yeah, we see yeah. Sandro's stance. What about yours? Yeah, the, the, his true colours come out. Yeah. Yeah, very, very foreboding. You know, the bloodsucker at the opening shot and uh, Caleb doesn't know what he's in for. Mm. Doesn't know. Well, you don't, like, if you went into this blind, you'd probably have no idea this was a vampire movie until 20 minutes in. 
um, because it, it does take quite a while to really kick in that vampireness. So yeah, when do you think? When do you think's the moment when you finally go, "Yep, this is a vampire thing." Maybe when she bites his neck. Yeah. But even then, even then, even then, I'm a bit like, well, you know, it's the '80s. People were into all sorts of stuff. Yes. Wow. Whoa. Yes, we're a lot more pure now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If anything, if anything, the internet has you know has made us more boring and, and, yeah, and conservative. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I only go on conservative websites, so that's all I know exists on the web. That's right. So, you know. Exactly. We all just exist inside social media bubbles. That's too political. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to say, mozzies suck. Hey, <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> Wasn't there a Twilight scary movie that was called Vampires Suck? There was like a parody of Twilight? <laughs> yes. Yes, there was. Know. Yes, there know. was. There is, a, there is like, you know, like the whole scary movie, yeah. um, superhero movie thing, Vampire Suck, but I don't think it was even done by that. It's an even cheaper version of it, so... Yeah, I don't think that was a Wayne's Brothers thing. I think that was something No. Nah. But the later one's got the Zucker Brothers in it. Like, the later ones actually... The later scary movies actually got the guys, I think, same wrong, the guys, you know, behind... You know, uh, flying high and all that type of stuff. Oh, I think they did. Yeah. 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 Anyway, I've only seen the first two scary movies, so I I don't know. Anyway, random tangents aside, we see these two hillbillies and and they're fighting because one of them went up and and kicked Caleb's truck, and Caleb's not having none of it. None of the scene matters. None of it matters. <laughs> We'll never see those characters again. But yeah, he sees he sees a hot lady, <laughs> alas, <laughs> getting some of that cone. Jesus oh, damn, I hate this. Oh my god, get me some of that cone. Who needs the internet where we've got Zach right here? <laughs> oh, I feel like I'm reading the horny short story Hellraiser was based off all over again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, look, I, I, I'm just really hungry for some ice cream. You oh, know? Yeah, yeah, I I've bet been, you I've are. been wanting an ice cream all day. Oh, I bet you are. Mm-hmm. Bet you. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, he's very naive. He's very much in a small world, and you can see he's just stuck in this. He's a very much a small town boy in a small town uh, perception of things. You know, just your mama jokes with these boys. and he's He's got that, like, I'm the king of this small town yes. sort of vibe, you know? He's the top dog, but he's the top dog of this tiny backwater town in the middle of nowhere. He doesn't realise that he's a chihuahua. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, sitting on a toadstool <laughs> going, I am the king of my dominion. You're on a toadstool, duel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. So she's like, I need to get home. So he says, hop in my truck. And they drive around and he just refuses to take her back home. They go on a detour that they go to see... Uh, his horse at the ranch that he lives at and the horse is scared of her. And she tries to open his mind to like the poeticness of darkness and nighttime and he's by it. he's kind of bewildered by it, bemused by it, because he's such in a small mm. small world perception of it. He's sort of like trying to catch up with her and she's sort of like light years ahead of his contemplation of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I could go out on a limb and say he has ulterior motives in this scene. What? What? You know, yeah, sorry. I hate to be so accusatory. But... <laughs> well, I, I think I think his problem is we didn't see the scene before he uh, you know, killed the mosquito. What he was actually listening to on the radio is Zach reading out with his <laughs> sexy voice. 
So Zach's there going, oh, yeah, I'm talking all sexy. So Caleb was in the mood because he'd listened to the sexy voice of Zach. So What is my sexy voice? The, you were I, doing it a couple of minutes ago. Go, oh, yeah, eating an ice cream. Oh, having a cone all day. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah, got to get me some of that. What, oh, what, what, what was that? What? <laughs> we're back in Razorback territory. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of Rodney Rude as well. <laughs> Is that not sexy to you, Roy? I thought that was exactly up your alley. Uh, did you just call Rob Roy? He did call me Roy. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, we got, we've, we've, we've gone into roleplay era right here. All... <laughs> oh, no. I'll play Roy and you play Nat. Oh, no. oh, no, Roy, your ice cream cone's dripping all over your hair. <laughs> oh, God. Don't worry. Let Big Mac lick that all up. <laughs> oh, God. oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Look, I don't think I'll ever be aroused ever again. <laughs> uh, R.I.P. R.I.P. Oh dear. R.I.P. Rob's libido. <laughs> On the 20th of the 9th, 2021, Robert's libido died today. It was buried in a solemn service. I feel like I'm going to be testified in court, you know. I have to explain why I murdered your libido. <laughs> Plead the fifth. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they're driving around, have a bit of a kissy-kissy, but then, you know, she realises, while she's out and she realises it's getting close, you know, you go, what time is it? And he goes, oh, I, I don't know what time it is. It's timeless. She goes, no, you've got to get me home right now. Got to take me, please, please, please. She's getting quite frantic. He's there going, sure, whatever, baby. Hey, come on, come on. Let's relax. I'll let you wear my cowboy hat. Yeah. Um, and she's getting more and more frantic. And then, of course, he does the dickish move it's never good he stops in the middle of the road drops the keys down his shirt and goes you're gonna have to kiss me if you want me to drive you there and she goes all right i'll fucking kiss you kiss you with my with my teeth you bastard chompy chomp chompy chompy and he's like ouch me neck oh new bruce (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's exactly how he sounds like that's exactly him yeah oh my neck oh new bruce i've been sucked as I'm, I'm sucked in, Brew. <laughs> oh, don't say that. Oh, God. She runs off. She runs off. And he's like, oh, I probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> and then his car won't work, so he's got to walk home. But, oh, no, the sun's starting to burn him up. He's not feeling so good. This is such a good scene. I love how he's walking across... This wide open field, the sun is mm. coming up. You've got this great dawn uh, scene, and he's just smoking. He's smoking out here. It's really beautifully done, isn't it? It's really like the shot of you see his dad with um, his sister, and they uh, and then they shoot from him, and they haven't noticed him from a distance yet, and he's just stumbling, and he's holding himself, and the the smoke coming off him is oh, and then you see the you know, the Winnebago or the truck, you know, the, the van coming from, oh, such a beautiful shot. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how cinematographers get a shot to look that good. And it just, it's a work of art as well as telling the story. Yeah. And this is where the real adventure begins, you know? This is where everything, yeah, this is where Alice, you know, uh, you know, trips into the looking glass. This is where she falls down the, this is where yeah. Caleb's adventure begins. He discovers his world has just opened up. Yeah, he is pulled into this camper van that is rushing towards him. He's pulled into it by Bill Paxton, and Paxton's there, and he's like, I'm going to separate your head from your shoulder. Hope you don't mind none, sir. <laughs> and Caleb's like, oh, what's going on here? There's a whole bunch of people. They're all here in this van. The windows are covered over. It's very dark. 
this is kind of as well where we notice that there's a lot of natural light in this movie, not so much artificial light. Mm. So if you are watching this movie with the lights on, you might not be able to see a lot of it. Mm. Nah, yeah, you need to watch it uh, 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 near dark, hey. as it were. <laughs> 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 That's the name of the movie. <laughs> um, as soon as he's thrown in by Bill Paxson, like Bill Paxson's already got the, the spur at his throat, hasn't he? I think so, mm. yeah. He does love his spurs. Can I just mention, it was quite odd with a 12-year-old boy grabbing Caleb by the junk. There's a lot of stuff that the 12-year-old boy does that I felt very uncomfortable <laughs> by. Yeah, and it kind, mm. kind of they're going, I get it, because he's like meant to be 80, 90, maybe... 50 year old yeah. you know 12 year old's body I think I think he's in his late 80s sort of thing because yeah. they call him old timer at one point you know yes. mm-hmm. yeah 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 so he's clearly I think he's the second oldest amongst them all you know yeah yeah I'll probably yeah but May is definitely the youngest she'd been she'd only been turned a couple of years or like yeah. a couple of a couple of decades. Yeah. She said four years since she's seen sunlight. So Yeah, there was a line there and she was turned just after she graduated or something. So she's probably like yes. 22, 23. Yeah. But there's some stuff like we see Homer smoking at one point. He's approaching this like nine year old girl at one point, which was not great. Yeah, appro- approaches um, approaches Caleb's sister. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and they make a connection, and so, but like less time than Caleb had with May, and Homer has automatically decided that I want to turn her. Yeah, and they're going. That's yeah. That's where a series would help to develop it out because they're going yeah. in movie logic. He has decided within five minutes. Yes, that this is the one that he wants to stay with forever. You're going really. I always love the idea of child vampires, though. Like, Interview with the Vampire, there's a lot of cool ideas in that film, but the idea that I love the most is Kirsten Dunst's, like, her character, and just how just how completely bitter she is by the end of that movie. She's like, I'm stuck in this young body for my whole life. It can be done really well, but then it can be done really badly, like the anointed one in Buffy, who's like, you know, the, the young kid hanging out with the master in, like, season one. So much so... They didn't know what to do with him, so they just had Spike kill him off early in the second season because <laughs> they went, I don't fucking know, just get rid of this kid. He's annoying. Yeah. So, But I think, yeah, Homer in this is not as good as Kirsten Dunst's portrayal of, you know, an old soul in a young body. Um, but there's some really good elements to it, just how, you know, corrupted and... And, and mental, this 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 soul is within a child's body. Yeah, I I, I, give, I give him credit because we've seen a lot of bad child actors throughout our podcasting years here, <laughs> and I'll give him I'll give him credit where credit's due. It did feel like there was more of an adult like ideas going through his head. You know? Oh yeah, the actor's very good. Yeah, stuck in a child body. Like they they the scenes that he got, I think he did well. The scenes themselves could have been better, I feel. True. It was a really yeah, really interesting dynamic how he clearly showed that he was not a child, but they were still treating him like a child. Especially <laughs> um uh, Diamondback, uh, Jeanette Goldsmith. Like there, she did refer to him as, you know, it spoke down to him very much like a child at one point, which was, yeah. Oh, but I, I found that funny because earlier on, she's the one who calls him old man, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so she both she both calls him old man and, you know, sonny or whatever, you know, you know. 
So she 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 does both things. Yeah. She insults him on both, which is kind of funny, I felt. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so they decide not to kill Caleb um, because he has been turned. And they're like, well, yeah. we'll give him a week. We'll see how he uh, how he fits into the gang's, um, you know, it's his trial period. Yeah. So he joins the crew for a little, little while. Meanwhile, we see that Caleb's dad is uh, is getting the cops involved. There's this amazing scene in, like, the sheriff's office where it's just you you can't see anything but there's so much smoke in that scene yes. like it's such a smoky scene it looks really good it's very well done beautiful yeah yeah it's the type of shot that you know spielberg does really well he like creates these shots with so much mist and and smoke and atmosphere in there it feels almost like it's a a, a myth, mythological setting and yeah uh, bigelow captures that beautifully just the the mundanity of you know country living with so much smoke mm. it takes it to this other level it's yeah fascinating stuff smoking's bad for you kids smoking's bad for you unless you're a 80 year old vampire and <laughs> that's fine uh, caleb attempts to run away um, he runs down Main Street in the town where they're at. Uh, he tries to buy a chocolate bar, but cannot stomach it. Can I just say, there's a, uh, one of the earlier roles of Mr. Troy Evans, playing the plainclothes police officer, who thinks that uh, Caleb's high on drugs. Um, yes. And then realises that, you know, he's just in a bad way, so he gives him the money for his bus ticket. Um, now, uh, Troy uh, went on uh, to be a regular on um, ER, he was the desk clerk on that. So yeah, uh, Troy Evans is really good. He's a small role. He's just been a bit actor in things, but he's been around for decades and um, he got his big role, big prominence in um, ER, but he's great. Little small role and he did very well as the detective. So he jumps on the bus, but he he's just not feeling too well. So he hops off and, and he walks back to the hangar where the vampire family are hanging out and um, and says, hey, look, mate, look, I tried to run away. Yes, I did, but I'm just not feeling too well. I need a mere spot of something to uh, to eat. And so she cuts open her hand and and she lets him drink from her. Cool, blimey, I could really use something to drink. Cool. <laughs> Crack open a nice <laughs> warm one. Crack open a vein, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this was probably one of the main scenes where I sort of bought into the romance a little bit. And this is where I'm start this and this is why you need to have Caleb as he is at the start because he loses all of that bravado. He loses all yeah. of that arrogance. He he realizes he is way in over his head and he just becomes so dependent on May and May actually you see her strengthen up. She she's been longing to have someone to look after or you know someone to look after her or belong to her so that it's a really beautiful you know teenage you know ya as they call it nowadays um type of feel of sort of like you know the big strong kid is actually reduced to nothing and you know his object of desire has the power and the control and she looks after him i really like the the whole like sort of thing here where she has to take care of him because he's pretty much a helpless baby vampire at this point who can't do anything on his own so she has to look after him. exactly which yeah i didn't necessarily buy into the um the human element i guess of the of the the romance but when the vampire stuff was introduced i think i was i was a bit more on board i don't know there's yeah like for me this was a very passive watching experience where i didn't really get into any of the characters but i don't think you're supposed to either i think it's just more about the concepts and the visuals so yeah 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 very much so but it, i could definitely see change in caleb which is good and then this is where his 
the purity of him comes out because he is confronted with this darkness and this evil. And, um, yeah, it, it's it's more of a case of he isn't really seduced by it. It's just a case of he doesn't have anywhere else to go and he's scared to go home because he's ashamed of, you know, uh, of himself and he feels as if his dad isn't answering. So that means he does dad doesn't care. So he's there going, this is all I've got, but he just won't cross that line. Whereas in more modern films, you know, because of the era of Bella becomes a vampire and that's all she wants to do. But in this, Caleb's there going, no, I didn't really want this. And he always draws that line, which I found quite naive, but actually quite beautiful that he didn't. He watched all this horror and this death around him and he had that urge within him. But, you know, even when he said, if you don't do it, we'll will kill you he still couldn't do it and so i i really like that and that brought you know actual uh, backbone to his character which i really appreciated yeah uh zach we get the scene with the trucker yeah and oh i felt so bad for this poor trucker (laughs) he was definitely the coolest guy in the whole (laughs) entire movie probably yeah like the friendliest truck driver i've ever seen in a movie (laughs) yeah yeah he was like oh you're running away from home yeah sometimes you gotta run away you know sometimes you gotta get out of there it's a bad situation it happens you know Uh, oh, you're interested in the truck? Let me teach you how to drive the truck, you know? I'm just having a good old time here. And I was like, oh, man, don't kill this guy. He's uh, he's the coolest guy I've ever seen in my life. He's he's a very good actor as well. His name is Roger Aaron Brown, and he has a very small role in um, uh, a favourite of mine, uh, uh, Alien Nation. Oh, he's mm. sitting in that. He, okay. he, he plays the original partner of James Kahn before um, you know he gets uh, Mandy Patinkin as his partner so uh, so yeah he's got he's got a good air about him and a confidence about him yeah mm. the thing is I think if um, they had found someone who wasn't like him you know wasn't such a nice guy maybe if they had found like a person trying to rob them or something it would have been way easier for um for what's his face to kill mm. you know in my i just have this theory if they just found someone a lot lot more <laughs> a lot more of a piece of shit <laughs> that he would have killed them and he would have been turned onto that sort of path more i feel yeah but because this guy's just the coolest truck driver ever, he's like, I can't kill this dude, you know? So I'm just saying, I'm pretty sure he saved the entire film. <laughs> the true <laughs> hero was the truck driver. <laughs> yes, correct. So all the vampires are like, you didn't kill, you suck, but not literally. Uh-huh. So what we're going to do is we're going to give you one more chance, one more night to make a kill, and, mm. and and if you don't, we're throwing you out to the wolves, and by wolves, we mean Bill Paxton. <laughs> so they head to a bar, and this is one of the best scenes in the movie, this bar sequence. Jeez. It wow. just It really comes out of nowhere, though, like, because yeah. up until that point, they kind of separate off to get their own feeds. So it's this case of the blood is implied a little bit, but in this scene, it it it's kind of stark how it's... It all comes out. The menace and the dread in this scene is really hardcore. Like, yeah, I was surprised yeah. going into it because in Australia, this movie is rated R eighteen plus for gory violence. And up until this moment, I was like, "But why is it? Yeah. Like, it's not particularly gory at all up until this moment." But then, yeah, they just they go all out for this scene and then also the bungalow scene, which we get later on, and they really earn that rating. Yeah, yeah. It's that they just arrive at a bar, and the only mission is for them to 
the only thing they want to do is just see these people as not even as food as just commodities because some of them they eat some of them they just kill um for the for the hell of it um that all they feed off most of them um but there's one guy that's just shot dead by homer just for the sake of it uh, and and the and the barkeep as well so um yeah it, the menace really comes out here and just how like they play with their food really yeah cuz it opens and we get paxton he's kind of um harassing uh, one of the guys at the bar and and provoking him to get into a fight which caleb then finishes by throwing him and we almost get an element of like camaraderie between them when caleb's like did i do that and paxton's <laughs> like i'm proud of you son good work <laughs> yeah yeah it's great he's having a blast at this time he's like oh i'll get i'll get you to punch this guy i'll grab this guy drink and just spew it in his face <laughs> you know He's having a he's having a great time. Yeah. This is in his environment, you know. He used to go to bars when he was human. Now, he, now he's he's the king of everywhere he goes. You know? <laughs> and we get some good lines from him as well. He's about to bite into a guy um, that sees that there's some, some stubble on his neck, and he's like, "Well, I hate it when they ain't been shaved." <laughs> <laughs> really dark humor, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's finger looking good as he's like licking the blood off his fingers as well. Oh, yeah, I wrote that one down. Yeah. Finger looking good yeah they slit a waitress's uh, throat which was oh it just came out like just how oh god just how menacing and uncomfortable it was and then using the glass to fill up with blood was yeah just so horrifying and i guess the most notable kill is probably when paxton uses his um his spurs to slice open the barman's face which at first i didn't really know what was going on i was like okay we're seeing him standing up on the top of this bar he's clearly using his feet for something and there's a sound effect i'm not entirely sure what's going on and then just these long slits appear on the barman's face and i was like oh oh that's what this is this is disgusting (laughs) yeah yeah, 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 yeah. He loves some spurs, you know? I don't think I've ever seen a, a horror film before to do a kill quite like that. That was quite um, inventive. Yeah, it was, yeah. And there is, uh, yeah, one last guy in the bar and they want Caleb to, um, they, they, they want Caleb to finish the job. Uh, but the guy runs off as Caleb's trying to decide, you know, how he's going to do it. So he gives chase, they run outside. Because uh, May tries to help like she seduces the last guy in and dances with him and you know, holds him and keeps him close and he goes you know i've prepared him for you and um and caleb just can't do it he can't do it so yeah uh okay and plus he's in a white shirt the innocent <laughs> guy i'm going anyone in a white shirt i know there's going to be you know blood explosions and all that type of stuff. But yeah, he runs away, so Caleb has to go after him. Yeah, and we get uh, some interesting, like, shaky cam as the cameraman is chasing this person. So we get that chasey, like, camera look, which was um, probably quite ahead of its time, actually. Like, like that was something that's become quite popular nowadays. And used quite sparingly. That's the only time it's really used, and it's really visceral. It's mm. a really powerful thing, and it makes me go, yeah, that's why people use it, because it is this powerful thing, but if you use it all the time, it takes away the impact. Every <laughs> single action movie that Hollywood makes. I'm sick of it. Yeah. I'm so sick of it. <laughs> so, yeah, they're all upset with him. They're like, yo, you, come on! We gave you this perfect opportunity! Come on! <laughs> Just murder someone, you dick! 
Alright, well you've got to go. We've got to murder you, but first, we've got to find somewhere to sleep, because oh my god, is it daytime. <laughs> I do want to mention as well, as they are leaving the bar, we get that incredible scene where they're standing outside of the bar, the bar is quite far away, it's quite misty at night, and the bar's just on fire, and it looks yeah. really good. Yeah. They really like their arson, these vampires. <laughs> they, they tend to just burn everything as they go through. I mean, good on them. Yeah, yeah the, the, that reoccurring image of flame and fire, whether it's bodies on fire or whether it's buildings on fire, because they've taken away all the other um, uh, elements of vampire killing. It's just, you know, the flames from, from the light. It makes it, you know, this becomes this reoccurring thing. There's a shot later on as well, another really beautiful shot, on where the uh, vampires are on the top of a hill, which is all black, and then you see the silhouettes of them with the backlight and the mist around them. Glorious shot. Very Western shot, that one as well in particular. Yes, very much so. It's more Western than horror. Yeah, very much so. They head to a uh, a a pl- <laughs> they head to a place and they rent out a bungalow for the day. <laughs> and the old the old time is a bit suspicious of them. It's like, hey, hang on a minute, didn't you didn't you uh, get in here before? Haven't you been here before? And he's like, oh yeah, every fifty years I make my way around these parts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining like this guy's seen this one dude fifty years ago, and he looks exactly the same as he was fifty years ago, like when he first took over after his dad retired or whatever, you know. That sort of thing. I'm just imagining that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they all they all go to sleep, but uh, they got to knock on the door. Knock, knock. Hello, who's there? No. It's the police. It's the police. Who? You, you come outside. <laughs> we we have you surrounded. Oh no. Police. Who? It's the comedy podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the police have surrounded them because uh, the guy who got who managed to escape before he's gone to the police. Mm. And why is he in the back of the car? Ah, because he needs to identify the perps. Obviously. <laughs> That's guess. why they bring him out to the shootout. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're taking a very non-American view to this situation. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm terribly sorry. I'm terribly sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why wasn't he given a gun as well? Yeah. There we go. Ah, yeah. That's the really un- unrealistic part, is he wasn't <laughs> shooting as well, you know? In a normal movie, we perhaps would have gotten a scene with dramatic music where he shows up to the police station and is like, there's some people here, they've they've been alive for years. And the police are like, oh, we're checking our files. Oh, it's the vampires we've been looking for. Round them up, boys. We're, we're going to head on out. But no, no, not in this movie. They just show up. I, I like how not only the cops had the gruff voice, but the guy who just ran in. <laughs> they all you know, this like This, like, 17-year-old, he's like, oh, he's <laughs> vampires. <laughs> Boys. They have been around for a hot second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But unlike your movie, this movie has some pretty good scenes where um it has uh them putting on like goggles, like special sunglasses to look outside. Yeah. Very cool, very cool. And then they start to have this big shootout with the cops and they're like, hey, fuck up, go get the car. <laughs> Go get the van. That's your job. But no, he volunteers himself, doesn't he? They don't tell him to get. Yeah. He oh, go, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he goes, he, it, it's at his instinct to go, I need to prove myself that, uh, you know, that I'm not a failure. He wraps himself in a, in a cloak or a blanket or something and runs out. He gets shot a bunch of times. He lights on fire because of the stun, but he, he makes it. He makes it to the van, pops in. 
smashes his way into the bungalow. <laughs> and all I can think is that poor old man at the front desk, you know, he's going to have to pay have to pay for all of this, you know. I don't know what his insurance is like, but does it cover vampires? I doubt it. No, no, no. And then they drive out the other end, so it's sort of like just in one way, out the other. And they head to another motel. Yep, and they're like, hey, you did a good job. <laughs> you had that fine work, Sonny Jimbo. Yes, it turns into a mafia movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it does feel sort of mafia, them yeah. them indoctrinating him into their group. True, true, true. Um, I like I like even, uh, what's his face? Guy with the spurs, what's his name? Uh, Severin. Yeah, yeah, Severin. He, uh, he uh, even he's uh, impressed with his work, so he gives him one of his... His precious spurs, you know? He's really part of the gang now. And I was like, ah, oh, this is great. Mm. They're all a gang now, you know? But it all turns sideways when Homer goes out to grab a can of Coke and spots a young girl about his age is like, do you want to come watch TV with me? I'm not, I'm, I won't turn you into a vampire. It's fine. Come watch TV <laughs> with me. It's, it's revealed. Yeah, that is Caleb's sister. I mean, as an audience member, you already would have known, but it's a twist for the characters. Yes. Yeah. In the movie. <laughs> That we're watching. And then and then they get the guy's dad and he's like, ah, let him go. And they're like, nope. Yep. <laughs> That's the whole scene. It's it's a it's a really odd scene because it's this it's the big dramatic moment where the two worlds collide for Caleb, but it's like just shot in this little hotel room so they're all there really close up to each other going hey how's it going guys and it's really like like normally in a in a in a movie like this you'd see like sweeping shots long shots moving around stuff like that but it's all like awkwardly shot in a small room (laughs) and it just shows how really tiny the room is so Mm. (laughs) yeah yeah it's true it's true but then the the dad shoots jesse yeah and jesse's like oh Shooting me? Well, here's your bullet back. Great moment. Such that a was so moment. good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What a guy. What a fella. And Caleb and his family, they make a run for it. Yeah, saved by, I think uh, his sister opens the door and all the daylight comes in. So, yeah, she, uh, Sarah saves the day. Yeah. It's a really it's a really interesting moment because you're in the, the car and they're going, I'm really sick. I'm not well. You know, I'm infected. And they're going, and they never say it. They never say that, yeah, because this is the scene where they're meant to go, I'm a vampire, you're a vampire, you're a vampire, I'm a vampire. But they're there going, they've changed me, they've turned me. You know, you see what happens, you shoot them and they don't die. And you, they're, they're, you know, they don't like sunlight. Um, he goes, we've got to take you to the hospital. No, you can't take me to the hospital, you can't. Sunlight sensitivity. Yeah. You can only go out at night, sucks blood. Ah, what a, what a, what kind of... What what evil creature is that? I can't I can't. Oh. oh, I am I am so glad they didn't go down the Walking Dead route and just call them a weird name like oh Walkers. Yeah. Ah, oh, yeah, Night Walkers. That's no. so annoying. It, but it's it's a good scene of uh, a limited amount of dialogue and a limited amount of words to get to the point of you know what they're everyone saying, but they're not just coming out and saying. Because the more meta postmodern reference would be, are they fucking vampires? They're fucking vampires. Oh my fucking fuck, we don't have fucking vampires. Yeah, there's fucking vampires. But they stripped it right back, and so it was actually so obvious that they never yeah. said it, but it was done really yeah. well. And that made me respect the film even more that it was done. It would never felt clunky. It never felt it's those things, you know, those things it was yeah, really beautiful economy of words. 
and the dad's like, all right, I'm going to give you a blood transfusion. That'll fix it. Yeah. And it does. And it does. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It really does. Using his own blood on on Caleb. And all right. He get, does that for a couple of days and he's okay. And I didn't expect that one to work, but it did. I was like, oh. Because a part of me was going, well, is it because he hasn't completely turned yet or he hasn't killed or he's only been a vampire for a couple of days but then that shot out the window with the ending of the film um mm. but uh but yeah that's a it, it 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 worked and it kind of what should have happened in this almost fairy tale-esque thing of like he never wanted to be and he never fully embraced it and this movie apart from may shows vampirism as evil. Like, they kill indiscriminately. They they actually enjoy toying with the people they kill. So vampires are evil. Um, and May is... May, sure, has killed people, but, you know, you kind of forgive her because she's hot. Um, <laughs> yeah. Classic movie logic. Yeah, that's the 80s logic of things. Sure, she killed people as well, but she's cuter than Lance Hendrickson. That's a matter of opinion. <laughs> He's fit, fit as a fiddle. He's human again. Ooh. And you know what? They have a nice family dinner. And all I could think of is like, what's stopping the vampires from showing up when it hits nighttime, you know? Well. I mean, sure enough, that happens. But how how come the characters didn't think of that, you know? Yeah, because it's not like the vampires don't know where he lives because they showed up to pick him up that one time at the start of the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, I was there going, well, they're going to have the final confrontation at, at the farm. But then it goes to they kidnap the sister. Yes. And so May is there to distract. I'm going, all right, is that just because you want to do the big action scenes out in the desolate streets like a Western? Yeah. Mm. I think that's probably what they wanted. Yeah. Which, you know, it's a good action sequence, but it's a very movie moment. Yeah. We get this action scene where Caleb is just kind of going through them all one by one. The first guy that he has to go up against is, uh, is Paxton. And Paxton has this great quote where he's like, well, look here, sir. First, you're going to give me back my spurs. Then I'm going to knock your tonsils out your asshole. How do you like them apples? <laughs> That's a great line. I really <laughs> like that line. Good line. Yeah, he's he's great. And then uh, and then he runs into him with the one weakness vampires have, a semi-truck. <laughs> yeah, he just rams Paxton with a semi-truck. It's good. Uh, which we know he knows how to drive because of the cool truck driver. <laughs> truck driver was teaching him how to drive. It all comes around. Chekhov's truck driving lesson. Yep. Mm-hmm. Let's never say check off ever again. <laughs> um, so uh, they he he murders him. As as they said, we're not sure if he dies or not, but he doesn't come back, so he's probably dead. So yeah, assume, assume he's 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 been burnt to a crisp. And then he confronts uh, the rest of the gang, and they're like, "No, you can't have her back." No, I think yeah, he confronts um Jesse and Diamondback at this point. Yes. But then, uh, what's her what's her face is also there. I can't remember any of their names to be honest. May, May, May. Yeah, she's also there, and she's like, "Oh, can't we just give him the sister back and move on? Like, come on." And he's like, "Nah, this is personal now." You know. Diamondback. While this conversation is going on, she sneaks around the back of them to throw a dagger into the back of Caleb, but Caleb dodges it, and, it ca- <laughs> and Jesse catches it in his teeth. Oh my god, that's funny. That's right. The sister runs up and he picks up his sister. Diamondback's sitting there with the knife and she goes, you know what? Get out of here. 
Yes. He runs out of steam as he's trying to run away. So he lets her go and she, he tells her, run, just run. And then the car comes in, swoops in and picks her up again. Yeah, because they're running running back towards the house. Yeah. They make it back to that, to the... to The, the field, yeah. The field that they were running, where he was staggering across. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's all come back around to this moment again. But this time they're kidnapping um, the sister. And this is as the sun is coming up as well in this moment. Yeah. Because they're in the car and and Homer is trying to bite the sister in the car. And then May goes, well, fuck this, and gets a blanket and smashes out the back window, which is a pretty impressive stunt. Yeah. And they roll out the back of the car. Uh, and then you've got that whole you know thing where you've got the car on one side of the street, you've got Caleb running on the other side, and then you've got May and Sarah, and you know May's covered in the blanket. She's mm. running towards Caleb. Caleb's running towards them. The car's revving. Homer has gone crazy, and he's jumped out, not even caring about the flames, and just running towards Sarah, because apparently after their five minutes together, he will willingly die for her yeah whatever okay Mm. and then he catches fire it takes a little while we see his skin melting and then 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 he just explodes he explodes he (laughs) explodes sandro and zach he explodes maybe that's really their weakness explosions that's a real vampire's weakness is explosions (laughs) and the sun just causes them to explode which is why the truck exploding kills vampires because it's the explosion. Yeah, it's the and so they're wanting to run them all down in the car, Jesse and Diamondback, but because there's there's no... All the ventilation or all the blocking of the light has sort of like fallen apart. They're just starting to turn in, burst into flames. They're driving faster and faster, but they're getting hotter and hotter. And then before they can knock them down... Big explosion. Yeah. See, this is where cinema logic comes in because May has been exposed to the sun just as long as mm. all four of them, but she remarkably doesn't start to set on fire. Um, but the other three do. It's because she's already hot. It's because she's ah. hot. <laughs> movie logic. <laughs> It's movie logic. The more attractive you are, the more impervious you are. Hey, so, yeah. this is where Michael Bay learnt all his. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, no, don't take the beautiful artistic work of Catherine Bigelow and mutate it into Michael Bay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't do that. But but also it could be because she's a younger vampire. Probably she's not as affected by the sun. Perhaps I don't know. Maybe her hair's longer and it blocks it out. <laughs> he, d- he does. He does grab her and like put his jacket on her. But she still should be like lighting on fire at least or something. I mean, I mean Homer is completely exposed, so he deserves to blow up. Yeah, yeah. Five Look, seconds, we can all agree had... Homer deserves to pop like a ripe cherry. You know. Yeah. He just... <laughs> But it was uh, that that final confrontation had elements of sort of like the first Mad Max movie. It, maybe <laughs> yeah. it seemed that very low low budget, low scale, abandoned wastelands, and just you know a busted up car and humans. Yeah, it did feel like a very witness me scene as they're driving towards them, and yes. then they just explode that as well. You know, and yeah, with uh, with all the Texan vampires dead, they bring May back to the farm. They give her a transfusion. She's now human again. Thankfully, she has the hot 
Jean, and so she can be turned back. Yes. Exactly. And it ends in a freeze frame of them hugging. Yeah. Yeah. And that is near dark. No one ever says the words near dark in the movie, and I appreciate that. What? <laughs> and no one ever says vampire or near dark, so I'm very happy. What are we? Mm. Some kind of near dark vampire? <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely going to give this a goodie. I think it's a really solid film. If you're a fan of vampires in general and you haven't seen this, it's it's definitely an important part of vampiric lore really really well shot mostly well acted it's just the thing that's holding me back i think is that main romance i just couldn't really buy into it and that's a big part of the movie but at the same time i think a lot of the craft behind the film was enough to carry me through so yeah it's a solid goodie from me how about you zach uh yeah i'm i'm giving it a goodie this is a good time i love i love vampires i'm a huge fan of vampires the whole mystique about them I'm a big fan of. And so I thought this was a really awesome take. A very, like, simplistic sort of vampires, you know? Mm -hmm. There's nothing complicated. There's no, like, turning into fucking bats or crazy wild shit. Nope, they're just super fucking strong. And they they murder people, can't go out in the sun. It was a good time. We're probably running short for time, so we probably won't do Adam Remove, but what I would add would be to make this a Netflix series. <laughs> that way we could we could flesh out all the different relationships that go all, um, on during this film. Yeah. Because that's the, the one weakness, is that we don't get these fleshed out relationships between everyone. Like, uh, as we say, Homer's relationship takes about two seconds film time. <laughs> so it really doesn't get that much fleshed out. But I feel like that could have, you know... They really could have, you know, had a couple of days to get to know each other, you know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He he got the worst lot of it, I feel. No, you had it coming. Uh, Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Shouldn't have smoked. That's what happens when you smoke, kids. You you explode. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely a goodie for me. I mean, doing a bit of research beforehand, it's like it always shows up in like the top 10 vampire movies of all time. Like it's, and it's always up there quite high. Like a couple I saw, it was like number two or three in the, in the top vampire films. But um, what I was really interesting is the fact that most vampire stuff nowadays is because they've been around for so long, they have all this money. Like you look at Mm. all the, all the vampires really in true blood series, they have this like hierarchy. And so they have a bit of money and support and financial stability because they've built up their finances over hundreds of years. You look at Lestat, he's got money up his out, out the wazoo, all this type of stuff. Whereas these guys barely are surviving. They're just going from night to night drifting. They're nomadic. And so it's that whole reality of they can't hold down a job for a long period of time because they never age. So they can't really have that stability to make money work. And they're, and they're, their desire to feed takes them over so much that they can't have anything other than just survive from, you know, from, yeah, uh, yeah, from, from plate, from uh, airport shed to, to closed off garage. It's, yeah, it's that really interesting thing because most, you know, fam- like you look at the Cullen family, they've been established in that community for centuries, but they move around and, and they have money and, opulent housing and all that type of stuff where these guys don't have that there it's 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 a not a glamorous lifestyle that they lead and i I like that i like seeing that 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 side to the vampiric culture where 
they haven't got all their shit together. They, you know, it's just assumed in most pop culture, they go, oh yeah, vampires are around for hundreds of years and they're really good with their finances. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They're royalty. They all own a castle. They're all rowing castles and, and fa- fancy cars. Although, actually, I think what we do in the shadows does a pretty good job at, at portraying a bunch of vampires who live in a share house. I still I still need to see that, yeah. <laughs> but three goodies there for, for Near Dark. Good stuff. Mm. Before we move on to the reviews, very quickly, we do usually talk about sequels, if there ever are sequels. And there isn't a sequel to this movie, but there was, in development in 2006, a remake... They were working on a remake, but it was shelved because Twilight happened and they went, well, we can't make this now. That is, that is really sad. Twilight ruins everything again. (laughs) I I think it would definitely work as a rebooted um, Netflix series. I think, I think, I think we've all hit the nail on the head, Heather. Yeah. Yeah. Call us Netflix. We'll, we'll set it up. But yeah, we we should do the Twilight movies at one point, Zach. I think that'd be fun. (laughs) A fun destruction. You two should really do that. You two (laughs) should definitely do that. You too, not me. You too. <laughs> yeah. I'll be more than happy to hear how it went. It will definitely be fun to talk about. That I definitely agree. I don't know about watching them. I think I've, I've seen the first one, or at least parts of it, because I remember I think I think someone at the house was watching it at some point. Yeah, I've seen them on TV. I like the soundtracks and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Great praise from Sandra. Anyway, uh, next segment. All right. It is time for raving reviews. (laughs) It's the part of the show where I go to Rotten Tomatoes. This is where you find the best reviews, but not from the critics, because they're all thousand-year-old undead. They're all grumpy, (laughs) terrible reviews. No, you have to go to the audience, which is full of, you know... People who only live like fifty years. I don't know. Wow. How long do how long do normal mortals live? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so Rob, you've already been on the show. You know how it works, right? I know how it works. I know how it works. You know that uh, I'm gonna read out a review. <laughs> and, uh, You're doing the thing and, in movies uh, where they're like, you know how your uncle's in the hospital because of this and this and this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know. I've been, I've been sitting here watching him, making sure he recovers for the last week. Why are you telling me this stuff? Oh, because there's an audience watching us and they don't know. Yeah, yeah. Let me explain the disease that is definitely being to explain to you before you've been sitting here for the last two weeks. <laughs> I'll read out the review. You guess the scores. Uh, it's a score off because there's two of you. Yay. Let's go. Woo. First up is Scott. Scott says, cheesy and melodramatic all in a bad way. Uh-huh. Saw it on TCM. A TCM. Yep. Does that stand for the child? Um, yeah. <laughs> Don't end that <laughs> sentence. <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, Sandro, what do you what do you think? Uh, that's pretty negative. I'm gonna go two. Yeah, I'll give it one. Ooh, you'll give it one. Well, it's a one out of five. Hey. So the, the next review. Oh, wait a minute. This must be a mistake. It's also by Scott. Hey, come on, Scott. Oh, wait a minute. Sorry, this is Scott N. The other one was Scott R. My bad. Ah. My bad. Sorry, sorry. Yes, I thought it was the same person because they say, I think this is one of the dumbest movies ever made. Oh, no. Transfusions can cure vampirism? Swing and a miss. Oh, Jesus. I give it half a star. Half a star. Half a star. All right. I'm going to go one and a half. 
Well, you guys are wrong. It's the same Scott. He rated it one out of five. <laughs> I, don't I don't know why there's multiple Scots and they both think it's one out of five, but they do. Right, they right. do. Uh, but we got a Peter now, and Peter says, Dated. Great cast, though. Oh, that's it. Okay. Two. I'll give it two. 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 Okay. These are all okay. quite negative. Outdated doesn't necessarily mean bad. I'm going to go slightly more positive. I'm going to go 2.5. Ah, it's 2.5. Hey. hey, well done. There you go. You're on the board. Very nice. Swing and a hit. <laughs> <laughs> as, as they say. I watched Ted Lasso. <laughs> uh, speaking of sport, I bet Drew, he loves sport. He, he gives this 86 Slash B plus. No, not this again. Um, I give it a four out of five. Four out of five. Eighty six. Yeah, because like a B plus would be a four, but eighty six is four point five, right? So I'll mm. go four point five. It's three point five. Three point five. <laughs> he does not know math. This guy. <laughs> the education system failed him. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's why I said he watches sports. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Mickey says, this is not a Western. <laughs> we got some great reviews this week. As we said during the review, none of the promotional material markets this is a Western. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Um, I'm going to guess that's probably a one. I'm going to guess a one. I'll give it a 1.5. It's 2.5. 2.5. Straight down the middle. We have Austin who says, see what happens when you strip away the garlic and the cross. You're left with a haunting and powerful tale. Oh. Mm. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention garlic. We didn't mention garlic as well. Didn't yeah, we garlic. garlic. That's a big that's a big old thing, you know? It is. Have you ever held a garlic? They're massive. <laughs> yeah. It makes it a lot less haunting if you could just throw a throw a piece of pizza at them or what something. Was, what you was know? that? Oh no, that was Monster that Squad was Monster where they Squad. put the garlic pizza on the uh, yeah, yeah. garlic pizza. <laughs> now, did you guys write Monster Squad? Did you write a goodie or a bad? Oh, we absolutely a goodie, obviously. Good. Yeah, that movie is incredible. <laughs> and well, in that case, man, I just say Wolfman's got nuts. Wolfman does so. have nuts. Yeah, 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 he does. Yeah. <laughs> I do particularly like the fact that they've... And they also have to get a virgin, but the virgin has to be a girl. Yes. Mm. And they're going, all the boys there are virgins. They could easily just read the, the Latin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, like the, I do like the beautiful moment where the crazy German guy is actually really lovely. And they go, wow, mister, you really know a lot about monsters. And he goes, perhaps I do. And he closes the door and you see that he's got the concentration camp uh, numbers yeah. on him. Oh, yeah. beautiful moment. Anyway. Why, why do you think Austin rated this? What was the review again? <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd say that. Monster Squad is a great film. Ah! <laughs> That's what he said. He said, uh, see what happens when you strip away the garlic uh, and the crosses. Right. You're left with a haunting and powerful tale. That's a good review. I'm going to guess four out of five. I'll say 4.5 out of five. It's five out of five. Oh. Five oh. out of five. Nice, nice. And after that uh, positive review, we have Tasso, who says, I'm a hero. I managed to watch this crap to the end. Oh, Tasso, you piece of shit. <laughs> I'll give it half a star. Or half a, yeah, 0. 0.5. 0. 0.5, I'll go one. It's one out of five. One out of five. Hey. And we have Graham, who says, remember when vampires used to rip your fucking face off? <laughs> no. Well, I do, smiley face. <laughs> Back in my day, uh, I'm going to say that's uh, that's probably a, 
four point five. Yeah, I'll give it a. Um, I'll give it a three point five. Three point five. It was four out of five. Ah. Four Whoa, out of five. Right in the middle. What are the scores right now, Sandra? I am on two, and Rob is on one at this stage. And finally, the last question is always double points. So, if you manage to get this, Rob, you can squeeze out a victory. Oh, oh. It's t- title of my sex tape. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wow. God damn it. Uh, It's from Scott again. (laughs) Oh, fucking Scott. Scott says, uh, need a way to forget Twilight? Well, there's this. Okay. It's the same Scott, so I'm I'm tempted to do the same score because it's the same Scott. True, true, true. (laughs) Well, it's it's Scott B. Yeah, that doesn't matter. We've had Scott N, Scott R, Scott B. I'm pretty sure only people named Scott got to watch this movie. (laughs) I changed my name to Scott to watch it last night. Yeah. Ah, there you go. Um, I'm going to say five out of five. I'm just going to finish it on a fiver. Right. Well, um, it's Scott, so it's one star. One one out of five for me. <laughs> it's four out of five. Oh. I believe, Sandro, you get another win under your belt. There you go. Another one. Well done, Sandro. Well, there we go. That is the episode right there. Thank you for joining us again, Rob. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for indulging in uh, all my old man ramblings that I do. <laughs> no worries mm. at all. Do you have anything you wanted to plug? I mean, there's not much really going on at the moment, but you got socials. Yeah, I'm on. I'm, I'm on the uh, Instagrams at Future Robbie. Uh, I'm on the Facebooks at Rob Lloyd Actor. Um, I've got my YouTube channel with um, uh, Rob Lloyd uh, at Future Robbie. Type in Rob Lloyd Comedian, uh, Rob Lloyd Actor, mm-hmm. you'll find me there. Type in Innes Lloyd, find the Innes Lloyd uh, YouTube channel and see all of our fabulous shows up there. So, yeah, that's the places to find me. I'm on Vimeo as well. Oh. Yeah, yeah, where they don't have the same copyright issues as fucking YouTube. I know. <laughs> And you are also on the a podcast that I do as well. We started it together, Nerd Out. That's right. That's right. And then um, uh, we recorded quite well for a, for a time, and then we didn't record anything, and now we record every once in a blue moon. Yeah, every now and then. <laughs> every now and then. But the new one's coming out soon, isn't it, Sandra? Yeah, I think that that might already be out, or it might be out in a few weeks. We did um we did all the MCU stuff uh, with Reese, and then we've got some more stuff with Jen as well that we that we put up. And we're going to try and record whenever we can, but more often than once every year. <laughs> <laughs> that would be good. Uh, so links to all that in the description, as well as links to uh, the show's socials, our personal socials. If you want to help out the show, you can review us on iTunes. That really helps out, as well as uh, subscribing to our Patreon if you want to help out in a monetary sense. That is greatly appreciated. Uh, as Zach mentioned earlier, upwards of two bonus episodes a month. And all of uh, this month for October, we are wrapping up our series on... On the Evil Dead. Next month, we'll probably do some bonus options from the past few uh, weeks and months, and then hopefully Dune at some point on there. We want to get a new movie review of that in at some point. Yeah, fingers crossed. Absolutely. And we're gonna uh, we're gonna make Zach now pick uh, next week's episode. Oh, whoa! All right. Well, Rob, can you, can you lend a hand here? Help me out with some of these movies. Oh, I would love to lend you a hand. All right. Good work, Thing. Way to lend a hand. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Very good. That's one of my favorite quotes. Anyway, let's let's do it. The first option is called Au revoir les enfants. Yep. Yeah. I believe that's how it's pronounced. That sounded pretty good. I went to howtopronounce.com and I had a listen. 
Ah, oh, nice. Well, uh, it, it sounded like gibberish, so it must have been French. <laughs> Poor French listeners. I think we do actually have some. I love, I love, I love it. I love it. I'm just, I'm just jesting. Uh, it is an autobiographical drama about the director's experience during World War II, uh, being in a French boarding school where the headmaster was arrested for giving safe harbour to Jews. Oh. But that movie does sound quite good. You've got a film called Baby Boom. <laughs> oh, no. Diane Keaton. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Diane Keaton. And um, uh, Harold Ramis. Yeah, she's going to take care of uh, her long lost cousin's baby or something. That is an option. You've also got The Princess Bride, which is some random kissing story. Uh, moving on. Mm. Someone to Watch Over Me, a film about a police officer that falls in love with a witness. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, that sounds much better than the last movie. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Offret, which I think uh, translates into The Sacrifice or something. It's a Swedish movie about this guy who makes a bet with God to stop a nuclear holocaust. I'm not sure if that's a comedy or not. Um, oh. Making a bet with God would lean towards it being a comedy, but I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, that sounds that, sound, that sounds like a comedy. Yeah, uh, there is Surrender, where Michael Caine has a bunch of legal problems, and he gets help from an artist and her rich lawyer boyfriend or something. I'm sick of Michael Caine. Move on. Whoa. Uh. And then your final option is called Three O'Clock High, which is a meek high schooler uh, gets forced into a fight with a new transfer student. Uh, I didn't hear any good movies in there. Rob, did you hear any that sounded good? Are you, are you purposely avoiding Princess Bride? Princess what? <laughs> I've never heard of that movie before. Sorry, what are, what are, what are you talking about? <laughs> You guys. <laughs> ah, you, you got us. Hey. You got our little job. Yeah, there's not really there's not really much options here when you've got the Princess Bride versus all this shit. <laughs> I mean, the French one sounds pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, the French one does sound pretty good. Yeah. Um, well, not cool, but like, you know, mm. interesting. And uh, Baby Boom, uh, although not directed, it was produced by Nancy Myers, who went on to oh. do, you know, you know, is known as the doyen of romantic comedies. Um, but yeah. Oh, it's got, it's got a positive tomato score, that film as well. And you could watch it on Stan. Or alternatively, we could watch The Princess Bride! Woo-hoo! Sorry, sorry, you can't be much help here, Rob, but there's clearly one choice. <laughs> there's only one choice. You can only do Princess Bride. Are you freaking kidding me? You've got to do Princess Bride. That's fantastic. That's one of my favourite movies. I love that movie. I love that movie as well. It's so good. We'll do that next week. Let's wrap it up with the best quote. From Near Dark, what have you got, Rob? Yeah, oh, it's got to be, um, I'll bust your teeth out and they'll shoot out your ass by Bill Paxton. That was, that, that line was incredible. <laughs> mm, that was good. Mm, mm. I really liked, I don't think we mentioned it in the synopsis, but there's a scene where Homer says to this random guy in the bar, look, there's a fly on the ceiling. And then just proceeds to shoot him. Shoot him in the back. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just mm. shoot him in the back as he's looking up at this fly. What about you, Zach? <laughs> well, going on this theme of the bar scenes, I, got, I have to go with finger licking good. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what I thought of the whole movie. It was finger licking good. Damn right. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.